I'm Natalie Nowak, and you're listening to On My Way to a BFA. This podcast chronicles my experiences as I go through the process of getting my BFA in musical theater at the Hart School. This episode features one of my amazing professors, so here it is. I hope you enjoy. I am here with Johanna Morrison, my voice and speech teacher, but we call her Auntie Jo. So if you hear me referring to her as that, just a little heads up. Hi, Auntie Jo. How are you? Hello, my darling. How are you, Natalie? Doing well. Looking pretty on the spring day. Thank you. Thank you. We are just sitting here having some tea and some coffee and just we're going to do a little interview, have a little conversation. People can probably tell from your lovely accent that you're not from the U.S. So tell us where you were born, where you're from, and then how you ended up in the U.S. I was born in the north of England in Manchester, the city of Manchester. I attended the Victoria University of Manchester and got my B.Ed. in education with a subsidiary degree in drama and dance. That was essentially Laban dance, which I did for four years and very much enjoyed. It, it's a perfect movement form for the, for the actor. I also went to satellite mm-hmm. courses and every weekend I would go away to some little town in the north of England, sometimes to the seaside of Blackpool, and attend these courses which were run by the associate, the, the uh, board of the British Drama League. Okay, and cool. And they had all sorts of teachers, brilliant teachers one of whom just passed away last week and I will forever miss him, James Dodding. He was a a brilliant and my very special mentor. One of the wonderful teachers, and I was actually 16, this was before I went to university, I was only 16 years old uh, when I was studying for the associateship of the Drama Board of Great Britain. One of the teachers at that time was a wonderfully handsome but in my opinion, most arrogant and somewhat boorish gentleman named Malcolm Morrison, (laughs) who was heading the acting programme at the Rose Bruford College in London. And he'd come down for the weekend to do this course. He was a brilliant voice and speech teacher. He had the loveliest voice, but I thought he was a pompous bleep. So that was when I was 16. When I was 20, I went back on another course that he was teaching. I got my my associateship. Uh, I was the youngest to Mm. get it. And then I went on for the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art external exams. Mm -hmm. I did mime and voice and speech for those. And he was teaching it again. And apparently I walked down the stairs for dinner that night at this lovely little seaside hotel. And so he tells it, he just saw this gorgeous woman in a red blouse and a long black skirt. And um, Mm -hmm. that was it. So I didn't think him so pompous anymore. And the gentleman who I mentioned earlier, who passed away last week, he introduced us, so to speak, or 
he contrived for us <laughs> to sit together for dinner and that was it and we literally never looked back from that moment on that was a December the 4th uh, on December 31st, Malcolm came up from London to my parents' home, asked my father's permission, and um, so proposed to me on December oh the 31st. And then on July 31st of that year, I was uh, married to him and never looked back. And so, of course, I was living my life. I was, I was acting, I was married to this brilliant man who was a marvellous theatre educator and we had 45 years of, of a mm -hmm. fantastic marriage. I learned most of my voice and speech which is my, um, I guess my bailiwick, from Malcolm. Mm -hmm. He's written several books on the subject. He was just such an inspiration. I used to have a voice like a fishwife. It was strident and I would talk right up there and my mother says, you sound like a fishwife, Joanna. My No, she didn't say it like that. My mother had the most gorgeous <laughs> voice and the gentlest speech. And she said, Joanna, you sound like a fishwife. Stop shouting. And so I was shouting and I was <laughs> tight and strident and I had a horrible Mancunian accent where mm -hmm. everybody's coming upstairs and, and calling each other daft. And so it was, it was a very interesting transference or uh, change that I had to make. Yeah. And I started doing that under the grand tutelage of Malcolm um, and it continued through our marriage. So I then got my own uh, teaching jobs and started to teach voice and speech in the city, at the City Literary Institute. And we had been married only five years in London when Malcolm came away to America to direct a show. I was working at that time at Pinewood Studios for Universal Pictures mm. as a dialect coach. And the particular film I was working on was a Sherlock Holmes movie uh, starring Vanessa Redgrave, Sir Laurence Olivier, and the consummate American actor, Bob Duval, Robert Duval. Wow. And Bob was playing Dr. Watson. Mm -hmm. Well, as I say, the consummate American actor having to speak oh, yeah. with a British somewhat military mm -hmm. accent and it was an incredible joy. The other person who was in it was Alan Arkin. Okay, wow, Another yeah. fabulous American actor. Anyway, so Malcolm's off, I'm in London, I'm lonely, he's in America and one morning, just before I went to the studio, he called me, it must have been very late at night for him and it was very early in the morning for me before the car came. And um, he, he, at the end of the conversation, he said, well, have a great day. And will you think about coming over next week? And I said, hang on, where are you? And he said, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mm. And I knew where he was, obviously, and we were in constant touch, but it hadn't registered where it was. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, Malcolm, I know New York, America. I know Los Angeles, America. Mm -hmm. And I know New Orleans. 
because my brother was a jazz clarinetist. Oh, cool. And uh, I said, but Winston-Salem, I don't know. And so <laughs> he said, oh, it's lovely, it's lovely. Um, and they've asked me to uh, come here permanently and take a job. And uh, it's really a beautiful little town. You'll enjoy it. And... Uh, he said, in any way, I miss you so much and I love you. And that was the end of the conversation. So I went into the studio that day and said <laughs> to Herbert Ross, who was the director, Herbie Ross directed Funny Lady mm-hmm. and Funny Girl and yes. all those lovely Barbara Streisand movies. He was total misogynist. He was a very nasty man. Oh, and, really? Yeah. So I went into Mr. Ross and said, uh, I won't be coming on to... Uh, where was it? Italy or Spain? Oh gosh, I don't know because I never went. But <laughs> it, it was location work mm-hmm. in uh, either Spain or Italy. I think it was Spain. Uh, I won't be coming. It was the cherry on my cake. You know, I'd done yeah. studio work with all these wonderful people, except Miss Redgrave didn't really want to. Uh, participate. She had her Ooh. accent and she was All going right. to keep it. Yeah. You know? Bob Duval worked so hard and he was just lovely. Alan Arkin was brilliant. He was playing a Viennese mm-hmm. and I had only two sessions with him and of course he was just amazing. So that was that. I, bottom line, got out of that contract mm-hmm. and came to America and also fell in love with Winston-Salem and Malcolm. And so six months later, uh, at that time we we engaged a real estate person and he had been asked to be the dean of the School of Drama at the North Carolina, what was then North Carolina School of the Arts. Mm -hmm. It's now the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Mm And um, he just did a phenomenal job of getting terrific faculty together. I was on that faculty. Mm-hmm. That's not to say I'm not terrific, but I did. You are, though. I do. <laughs> Thank you. I taught voice and speech there, and I also um, was a core member of the North Carolina Shakespeare Festival, mm. which was the first equity theater in High Point, North Carolina, under the artistic directorship of Malcolm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I would not have a career. I think I had a a career in acting. I certainly did. But as far as um, voice and speech goes, I was constantly guided and inspired by Malcolm's work. We came to America and, and had that that wonderful 11 years we were there mm. in Winston-Salem. Our daughter went to school there and uh, she uh, picked up the North Carolina accent like yeah. one does <laughs> yeah. as a little girl. And um, she, <laughs> she'd she be on the phone because it was that kind of time in her life where they were on the house yeah. landline phone. Yeah. She'd be saying... Oh, so there's a party on Saturday, y'all, and uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna go and and I'd say, Nikki, no, 
That's not what you say. There is no such word as yarl. Mother, mother, and rolled her eyes at me. And she said, after she got off the phone several times, Mm -hmm. she said, I have to. They think I'm strange if I speak with my British Mm. accent. And um, she said, I'll talk to you like this if you like. But yeah. <laughs> I can't communicate with my friends, with my school friends. And she was dead right. Yeah, she was that's interesting. Absolutely right. Yeah. She didn't want to be different, mm-hmm. as yeah. you do as a you know a young teenager. She she taught me a lot. She taught me a great deal. So then we moved from North Carolina to Denver to the Denver Conservatory. Again, it was the national theatre conservatory enacted through an act of congress Mm -hmm. and um, he formed that school it was a graduate program and that that was lovely I was happy enough but he he just didn't like the personnel he directed in the Mm theatre there and so forth but he didn't get on he was an associate artistic director and he just didn't get on with the uh, artistic director okay. and you know that yeah. was unhappy and he wasn't prepared to put us through an unhappy stress time yeah um they were both I won't mention this gentleman's name he was a brute <laughs> he was a brute to me as well but anyway they were both born on the 1st of May mm. oh, Malcolm yeah. just yep. had his what would have been his 70th 78th birthday and the two of them were like bulls mm-hmm. charging. I'm April 29th. I know they, how that is. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. That's fun. <laughs> uh, Malcolm wasn't as bullish. He was. He was just wise. Yeah. And when he knew he was right, he was right. But see, not exactly. A, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's it. Yeah. And you're. Um, yeah. You, you're not like the. Um, yeah. But when they were together, these two guys were... Oh, I can imagine. The friction was just too bad. So we left there, and I was doing a lot of film work in Denver at the time, as well as some teaching at the conservatory. Malcolm was invited to Milwaukee Mm -hmm. to set up another graduate program in theatre at uh, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. So we bought a house there, and I was getting more and more little jobs, nothing major, but good-paying, working jobs in movies Mm -hmm. and television, which meant I was a lot of the time in Los Angeles. So we rented uh, an apartment in the San Fernando Valley, and I did a lot of work for Viacom mm. and NBC. And I then would would come back and forth. So I'd mm-hmm. work at Milwaukee Rep and so forth as an actor and also teach, of course, a couple of master classes at the university. But I was lonely. Again, mm-hmm. I was hugely lonely. And yeah. Malcolm was. And this went on for six years. Wow. Okay. We were commuting. It was a commuter marriage and it was very strong always would be and you know our phone bills because you paid for your phone at that time (laughs) were really uh, quite high Mm -hmm. but eventually Malcolm called me one day and said how would you like to live under the same roof at the same time and I said 
I would love it. Yeah. I'd love nothing more. And so I packed up my little, with my daughter, who was then living in uh, Northern California, mm -hmm. working for um, George Lucas. Mm, wow. She was his personal assistant there. Oh my gosh. Skywalker Ranch. That's cool. So she came down to Los Angeles and we packed a U-Haul mm -hmm. with all the stuff that I'd acquired and brought to our apartment in Los Angeles. And we drove across country, mm -hmm. as far as Milwaukee anyway. And Nikki left me there with her dad and uh, Malcolm and I then drove to North Carolina. He had been invited to Connecticut to West Hartford and the mm -hmm. University and the Hart School to establish a theatre program. Mm. There was no such wow. training program. There was a, a department in the English department, but there was um, and there was a little bit of who, who's your voice teacher? Larry Rakin. Ah, okay, yeah. good. I, I love Larry. I love Larry. He's the best. He's very he special. Yeah. Uh, well, I was. had it been Mark Planner, Mark uh, was already coaching in the Hart School, but it wasn't a theatre school. Mm -hmm. There was no actor training at all. Yeah. There was a little bit of music theatre. Mm -hmm. And the wonderful, uh, what is his name? Oh, gosh. Anyway, he, he was in that group of students studying at that time, and he was in Book of Mormon, but he was right at the very beginning of that development in the reading and so forth. Yeah. So that really was very, I don't wish to diminish it, but it was a minor. Sure. School. So Malcolm then established a theatre school and he brought Alan mm -hmm. uh, with him as faculty. He brought me with him as mm -hmm. faculty. He brought a lot of uh, people into the school, later added more. But Alan and myself, Malcolm and someone else mm -hmm. came and um, it, it was very exciting but we had no facilities at all yeah I would teach voice and speech in a huge classroom with hundreds of tables in it mm. after about two years we got more space on the campus of the Hartford College for Women oh yeah 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 and okay I taught voice and speech in a, a trailer all this to say that within six months of Malcolm being employed and forming the curriculum and so forth and the mission mm -hmm. of the theatre division. He, uh, much of which exists today, not all of it, he then was invited to be dean of the entire Hart School mm. and he was voted unanimously by the regents and the student body and the faculty yeah. body and it was a very successful uh, period for them. So he, he was dean and he therefore gave Alan the position of director. Of yes, the which division, he still is today. And which he still doing is wonderful, today. wonderful job. Yeah. Absolutely. And so he, uh, and you know, very, very loyal to the original mission. So that was great. Um, and as you say, Alan to this day is 
is doing a splendid job of leading mm-hmm. this yeah. this program along with the terrific faculty I'm so proud to be a part of. And at our Performing Arts Centre, which is such a cool building. It's and so the nice. studios, it's really nice. And yes. we're really lucky to have it. Good. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about the classroom aspect of voice and speech because uh, with dialects specifically, it can be some people are great with some and they find other dialects really difficult to pick up. So in your opinion, what makes someone good at picking up a certain dialect? Is it the ear or it what, is. what is it? It is definitely the ear. It's the having, as we call it, a good ear. Yeah. And some of us are blessed with mm-hmm. that. Others prefer to work from a phonetics point of view. That's a lot more technical. Nonetheless, it is as effective. Yeah, which we do learn. We do IPA we, and all of that. So. We learn the IPA to start with, which is very important. And one finds, like, for example, I had um, the invitation to do the accents for Little Women. Oh, yeah, okay. In particular, um, darling Jake Blakesley playing <laughs> the professor. Yeah. And he had to be German. Yeah. So he was thrilled to death uh, when Diana, the director, Mm -hmm. asked me to work with him because he said, I've already transcribed it into the IPA. And he'd remembered our classes together where we do international accents. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he had his German notes and we... uh, he did a splendid job. I could not have been more proud yeah. of that oh, production. Oh, it was good. It was, yeah. And he was very confident and happy with it too. Mm-hmm. So that happens. I often do go in and coach accents, even with actors who have not been in. I, I teach music theatre students mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And so we, we have a lot of fun it's so fun yeah Yeah, we have a lot of fun it's fun exploration you're not going to lose anything no it's it's if you fall flat on your irish face or your (laughs) russian face it doesn't matter it was there was a possibility of your getting it uh and i find that 99.9 of all the students do ultimately get it so either through the phonetics or uh through their very lucky good ear yeah and that's a matter of recognizing where the focus is, where the focus of each accent is. Mm-hmm. For example, the British speaking, the upper class British people speak from the front of the mouth. Mm-hmm. It's a plummy sort of sound and it pops out of the front of the mouth. Mm-hmm. That's that's that one. They also, the Brits, open their mouths and move their lips a lot more than we ever do yeah. in our American. In our American, we keep it very flat in the middle of the tongue yeah. and we <laughs> hardly move the lips at all. Um, so, at all. So uh, it's different. And so it's a matter of, and then the Cockney, of course, you've got your molars open a bit at the Uh back. And then there are some very big changes. I like I like this one. You like this I like, one. You yeah. do it ever so well. You really thank you. Do. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, I give you applause. Oh, thank you. Oh, Natalie, that uh, was just lovely. Um, 
And she's managed to hold on to that for at least a, try, a, a try. year, <laughs> at least. Yeah. It's good. Thank Do, you. Yeah, I, I encourage the student learning accents to get what I call a key sentence, which will... Mm, um, yeah, with all the sounds. Yes, with yes. all the sounds of that partic- needed for that particular accent, and then just... Um, be able to cue themselves into it at any moment. Yeah, it's awfully useful for you know when you're going for uh, My Fair Lady. Yeah, and then you're running across the road on Forty Second Street to do Lunasa dancing yeah. at Lunasa. Got to switch to that Irish. You can get into the Irish, <laughs> right? Which is all wrapped up around that focus is around the front teeth, mm-hmm. and um, it's very dentalized. It's very breathy. There are few changes from the American vowel sounds, um, so it's yeah, it's very interesting. It's all fun, yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about sophomore year, just because we call it sophomore slaughter at the Hart School and at a lot of BFA programs. It's sophomore year is known to be kind of the toughest in a multitude of ways. So I'm wondering, from your perspective, what do you hear the most from students about this particular year and why it is so challenging and stressful? We hear, well, I was about to use both of those words. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. that, that is absolutely the case. And I, I must say, I try to be sensitive towards that in not wanting to load on too many assignments for memorization. Yes. It is stressful. I still do the assignments. Mm-hmm. I have to. You need them, uh, or the, the sophomore student uh, needs them. I have the sophomore class only for their first semester, mm-hmm. uh, music theatre. I find that they are really eager to to develop in their voice and speech because Mm. even though we are studying accents and dialects, we are also continuing our work on our vocal placement, Mm -hmm. our resonance, our forward placement, um, and vocal quality Mm -hmm. in our speaking voices. So we can continue with that and articulation, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, modulation, vocal variety, and so that's that's in the classroom constantly. Yeah. And I frankly, I find that the accent work helps with that. It, it allows one to explore different areas of our vocal and speech development. Definitely. Yeah, in a yeah. more lighthearted manner. Yeah, yeah. So, and... I find everybody is quite amazed that they'll come in. Like for the Cockney, just uh-huh. this last week, because yeah. I started it early this year, we did British already and Cockney, mm-hmm. and now we'll go into the internationals and the Irish, yeah. uh, in um, which is international, I keep forgetting. <laughs> I class it as British, yeah. <laughs> the British Isles. We did the, the, the Cockney, and by the first day when they transcribed, things and just make their first stab at it yeah they asked this is so hard auntie joe it's so hard yeah and i'm saying and i i heard myself say it i said okay this is the beginning of this class today i can guarantee that by the time you leave this class today you will be feeling so much better yeah 
And it it's happens. True. At yeah. the end of that, they're all going out, they're opening everything up, they're doing <laughs> their fuzz for, for the silent TH or the unvoiced TH. They're doing the for the voice TH. They're uh, dropping their H's, you know, yeah. scratching their heads. So it's, it's really... Uh, it's terribly rewarding for yeah. me, but I think it's extremely rewarding for the student. Definitely. Because they are suddenly this new person's coming out of their it's mouths. True. I'm directing this show at the moment. It's a project, mm-hmm. I shouldn't call it a show, with the sophomore actor training yes. group, actually rising juniors mm-hmm. now. And I have never taught them before, and they certainly didn't know. It's a George Bernard Shaw piece, mm-hmm. Arms and the which Man. is yeah. public domain, which is Arms and the Man. And it's very, it's hilarious. It's become very successful uh-huh. over our little run of it. But those students had never done a British accent. And mm-hmm. simply because it's Shaw, yeah. we decided to do it in the British accent. Yeah. And it was a very good learning experience for them well my gosh they didn't even do the phonetics we didn't have time Mm -hmm. I gave them the basic rules they jumped on the opportunity and they're really very good I think yeah definitely you saw it I did so yeah uh, for the most part uh, they're they're really very good and we threw in a little Russian accent Mm -hmm. which they'd never touched before so that's within the context of um, a rehearsal and performance situation. Mm -hmm. So that's been very useful. They have got excited about learning something different and improving. I'm not saying the British accent is better, but what it is is a tool for clearing up a lot of slushy speech, a lot of mumblings. If they have to open their mouth, it transfers to their standard American speech. It does. Once you have to pay attention that, to exactly how you're forming the sounds, it it changes your natural speech, which is cool. Just listen to that. Yeah. That is perfect speech. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, I'm so thrilled with you. Um, so, I don't know. Cool. No, that sounds good. And one last question, since we're running out of time. Um, what advice do you have for students who are currently in high school who want to pursue a BFA program, whether it's acting or musical theater or really performing arts in general, because a lot of them listen to the podcast, what advice do you have either for their audition or for their training leading up to the crazy audition season? First of all, use all that experience. You've obviously, these potential students, you have obviously experienced some theater in high school. Uh, either as an audience member, a classmate, or um, as an actual performer or technician backstage. Stage management is Mm -hmm. always a good one for high school. I know because my darling granddaughter is more into that than into the performing. Uh, She wants to be a doctor. And she, she said, I love the drama backstage because everybody's going crazy and <laughs> panicking true. and then suddenly it all comes together on stage she said I, I she wants to be in the emergency room 
and uh, it's perfect the same energy exactly as actors next I had never, and it all it's, it's so interesting work yeah and it comes together so uh, take your experiences from that high school but recognize it is going to be different because mm. now you are stepping into a contract of the professional world yeah. it is professional theater training it's tough that yeah. you're stepping into and it's you've really got to have the heart and soul and passion yeah it's not one of the most lucrative industries or careers for a good time you really have to pay your dues so so yes hang on to the fun element and the successes that you have achieved but know that this is a really giant stride you are making when you commit to this it's different um it's it's equally enjoyable but in a very different way and if you are prepared to work for it it is so rewarding yeah we have brilliant faculty in all uh, quarters of our work in the theater division and it's rather fun i think to be on the campus of of the university and to mix with different yeah. disciplines yeah it's nice that we have that and the music yeah. school is you know wonderful and the um the dance school mm. there's an awful lot to observe and take into your into your souls that's one thing i would say be prepared recognize if it is a real passion mm-hmm. and not just recreation yeah uh cuz you'll need that passion to get you through a couple of tough yeah I'm making it sound very negative. It's not. No, it's not. It, the energy you get from each other as students at the Hart Theatre Division, the um, the pride in accomplishing what your faculty is asking of you mm-hmm. is is thoroughly rewarding, and the the results. Mm-hmm. that come out i can say there's having observed um 20 years of students from start to finish um what they have achieved by going through this program and i think at this point it's at its very, we've got it right it's really coming together with no distractions about bad classrooms yeah. beautiful facilities and a terrific faculty we all work in combination under the guidance of Alan and for the most part it's it's a, a great family mm-hmm. for the most part and um i'm very proud to work there and year after year i think oh i'll retire next year and i can't and you can't If yeah i think about losing that daily energy and mm-hmm. joy that that I receive from watching these wonderful young people these fledgling actors dancers and singers I would be totally lost especially mm. as a person who now lives on their own if I didn't have that family and and you will have that family yeah. too as students mm-hmm. they will support you yeah 
Uh, they do. They're, they're, everybody's very kind. Yeah. Courtesy and um, team spirit. And yet, it's you. You're on your own. Mm-hmm. You're an individual as well. Yeah. Your faculty can love you all they want or care to. You can be as polite, polite and courteous as mm-hmm. you want to. But you, at the end of the day, are the one who is committed to the work. Yeah. And it's the only way it will happen. Mm-hmm. So it's a very enjoyable situation. Yeah. I think so too. Well, cool. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today and, and doing this interview. I You've been a big supporter of this podcast and just what I've been doing for Broadway radio in general, and I appreciate that. And so thank you for doing this today. It's my great pleasure, Natalie. I think you're, you're doing a remarkable job. I've heard many of your podcasts, and I'm very <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. Well done. Thank, thank you. you for asking me. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of On My Way to a BFA. I had a great time chatting with Johanna, so I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I'll be back with another episode soon, but in the meantime, make sure to follow Broadway Radio on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and also follow me at Natalie underscore Noack on Twitter and Instagram.